Welcome to the Been There, Got Out podcast. I'm Lisa, a state certified domestic violence advocate and veteran of more than eight years in the trenches of the legal system, the last five successfully representing myself. And I'm Chris. I'm a certified high conflict divorce coach. And between the two of us, we have all this knowledge and experience that we never wanted. But now we can put it to great use, providing expert guidance to people in high conflict divorce and custody situations so you have the best chance in court and beyond. Having the right support from people who get it is so critical to getting you and your children through it as unscathed as possible. And that's exactly what we do through our interviews with experts and other content right here on this podcast. So let's get to it. In this episode of the Been There, Got Out podcast, we welcome Canadian human rights lawyer, Nicole Biros-Bolton, who provides creative, actionable steps that you can take in your family court case to educate yourself better and cut costs. Take it away, Lisa. It's Lisa with Been There, Got Out. And today's guest is uh, Canadian human rights attorney, Nicole Biros-Bolton. I understand from what I just learned a second ago that I think she's streaming this live on TikTok, which is really cool. Um, she, like I said, she's a human rights attorney from Canada and we love our Canadians. Let me make sure she can get on properly there. And we'll be on together. Um, I'm not sure, but I think another Canadian might have brought us together. Maybe. Uh, Angie, who is also known as Boss Lady T.O., I'm guessing maybe. Not sure. Okay, Nicole, I invited you, but it's not It's not coming on. Hmm. Let's see. I see like a weird split screen, but I can't see you. So uh, let's hope this works. Um, if she can't get on in the next... Oh, wait. Invite me once more. Okay, Nicole won't let me do it. Let me try one more time. Hmm. I'll just say go live. Let's see if it works. Okay. All right. Let's give it like a few sec seconds. Try again. <laughs> okay. All right, Nicole, I'm trying. I'm trying. Let's try one more time. Let's see if this works. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. And one of the things that I'm very excited is she's going to give some pro se tips. Ugh. Okay, Nicole, it's saying that you're unable to join. So I'm going to end this live. I'm going to talk to Nicole, and then we're going to try to get back on in the next couple of minutes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's try one more time. She just sent a request to be live. If this doesn't work, we'll try again. Oh, it's working. <laughs> I can't believe it. The third time Sorry, is the charm. I, I had I had some sort of security settings so it wouldn't let me go on until I changed the settings. And oh, lost your invite, no so problem. No I'm problem. Here. Okay. So I was just saying, well, I'm thrilled that, um, and you said we're, we're on TikTok as well. Yeah. So we're on TikTok. I can't get your view on okay. TikTok, but they can hear you and they can see me. So we've got wonderful. Okay. So one of the things that, um, Nicole, you and I talked about when we first virtually met, was breaking down complex legal systems because the people in our community um, often don't understand what's happening and why, and they really struggle and there's so much fear and overwhelm involved. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about is um, managing expectations in this sometimes what like rigid 
legal system. And what I loved that you brought up in our first conversation was how there's ways to think creatively and sometimes use other tips and tricks to get what you need. So I, we are always into creative solutions. So thank you so much for coming on. And why don't you introduce yourself to people who might not already know you? Sure. Yeah. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat about this because yeah, what I care about most is making the law accessible. So this is this is a fun chat to have with you uh, and that we're aligned on that. So um, yeah, I'm Nicole. I'm based in Hamilton, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. Uh, I'm a human rights lawyer here. And I also, before becoming a lawyer three years ago, I had a 20-year career as a counselor and advocate for um, mostly women, but also gender diverse people and children who were fleeing abusive situations. Um, and so I, you know, worked on rape crisis lines. I worked in shelters. I worked uh, with uh, pregnant people who were experiencing violence in the UK. Uh, and of course, it's uh, more heightened when you're pregnant. Um, so yeah, I have I have a lot of knowledge and understanding about trauma and and violence and abusive relationships and gender-based violence generally, uh, which really um, informs my work now as a lawyer. And part of the reason I became a lawyer was to change that system, which is slow, but I, I do it at a snail's pace. Well, I mean, we, we believe forward. that one of the ways to change a system is to empower people through educating them. And that's what we're doing right now. So again, thanks for coming. And I love your background and especially that you are focused on trauma because that is such a huge part of not just the history of the community that we're dealing with, but it continues when they enter the legal system. They often are re-traumatized by just the process of um, what they think is supposed to help, help them ends up harming them even more. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's jump right into yeah. some of the topics that we talked about. What is a demand letter? Yeah, okay, well, this is actually one of the creative ways uh, that, you know, lawyers are very well familiar with, but one of the creative ways that you can use something other than the courts to uh, have some sort of effect or, or get you what you want. Um, I will say that, unfortunately, the legal system that operates within both our countries is really prejudicial to people who are not represented by a lawyer. Um, and so what happens, I'm going to tell you what a demand letter is, but even when you write it and send it, I don't know that it's going to have as much power and force as if you had a lawyer send it. But um, considering that, it's still an option. Also, we can be creative again and think, okay, wonder if you drafted it, you saved the lawyer some time, the lawyer then had to edit it. Of, of course, they're going to want to review it and, and send something that they feel comfortable with, but maybe they could then send it on your behalf for a flat fee. But I'll get into that later. First, you need to know what it actually is. So a demand letter is basically um, a layout of what you've experienced. So I mean, I do it in the context of human rights or employment, um, which has a lot of intersections with family law. I mean, it could be, for example, you're out of your workplace and you're experiencing gender-based violence outside of your workplace, but it's, it's permeating what you're experiencing at work and you need accommodations. Maybe you need time off. Maybe you need uh, to come and go at a different time or work at a different location or work from home. Those could be requests that you need to make um, and your employer's denying you. So the next step, rather than just go, I'm gonna take them to court, would be you could put a demand letter together. And the demand letter would lay out exactly what you're, you were experiencing. It would quote the law 
um, and how the, the law is relevant in your matter and how it is clear that what you're experiencing is a breach of that law. And then it would say, you know, I'm prepared to litigate this matter. I'm prepared to go to court, but I would like to resolve this amicably um, and without resort to litigation. And so to that end, um, what I would like to see is A, B, and C, and usually there's, you know, four or five demands, whether that's compensation or the specific requests that you're making. It's going to be easier, I think, as a self-represented litigant or person um, to get requests and demands that are not financially focused, because I think, it's, I, again, I think, unfortunately, you might need the power and backup of a lawyer if you want to, if you want to get into money. Um, but it is always an option. And that's actually the other thing I should say is that most lawyers will do demands on a contingency fee basis. If you do have money that you're probably going to get out of it, then you can actually, like, for example, me, I charge a flat rate to write the uh, demand letter, which is on a sliding scale. So it really depends on how able somebody is to pay that and then a contingency fee so if you are successful and i do get you money and we settle the matter then you give me a percentage but if you don't get anything you don't pay anything so that's a way to make it accessible um, and i think it's good for people to know that those are options because even when you're talking to a lawyer sometimes all those options aren't presented to you but why don't you ask can you do this on contingency fee? Can you do this on a reduced hourly fee? Or, you know, sometimes people do what's called a split contingency where they do a portion on hourly and it's a really reduced hourly rate and then a very low contingency rate. So it's a little bit of both. Um, those are things that you could even present to lawyers and say, I think I have a strong case. I've researched it. This is what I think. Um, could you do it on A, B, or C I and explore that? I love way? this information for a number of reasons. Um, number one, we often try to encourage our clients to be the proactive problem solver, and that's exactly what this demand letter does. Instead of leaving it up to some third party, I've been wronged, fix it. You are putting in writing exactly what you're asking for and why you're entitled to it. And this is why it's so important. So you talked about um, quoting the law. We talk about where we are, like case law. You need to look up case law to match it. And I've been at um, events where judges have spoken, and they've said, if you're not getting what you want, make sure you use the law to tell me what to do. So that's exactly what you're saying. So it's almost like you can, either a lawyer can write it on your behalf, and I love, again, that you're mentioning contingencies and flat fee rates and, and the way that that works and that people should ask because many people aren't aware. So it is great to always be able to ask a question. Um, but that you quote the law, like I'm taking all these notes. So you request what you want. You quote the law. So you explain how your, or, you know, how your situation is being breached or how, how whatever's happening is, breach, is a breach of the law. Um, say that you're prepared to litigate, but you'd like to resolve amicably, which to me signals to the court that you already understand how much time and money might be wasted and you're being respectful, knowing that everyone is overburdened by saying, I don't want to go to court. I'm doing everything I can. And then again, asking for very specific relief rather than just saying, fix it for me figure it out. So you're making the judge's job a lot easier to just resolve it and getting it done. Like, are they going to grant it or not? And we have called this um, proposed orders. And I don't know if that's the same term you use, it, even though this is a demand letter. In my own situation, I've done something like this um, during uh, litigation anyway and gave it to the judge and said, could you do something just like this? 
I basically had followed your formula, sort of, and she just signed it twice. So this can be really effective. I'm so glad that, um, that you just answered that question. This is going to really help a lot of people. Great. Yeah, thank you. And I think, too, like, yeah, the, the orders, that's another thing. I mean, in courts here, they actually like make you come to court with a, a written out order of what you actually want. And then if it decides in your favor, they would sign it. Um, but the demand letter can be like, even before you like file an application at court, if you're not involved yet, um, it, it's, it's almost like an offer to settle, but it happens before you actually take that leap and do it. So it's a good, it's a good starting point because if you fail, you can, you can litigate, you can go to court. Um, as long as you're aware of, at least in, in the context of like employment and human rights and suing somebody, you have to be aware of limitation dates. So uh, how long you have from the point of when something bad happened to when you're allowed to sue or it's done and dusted and you have absolutely no recourse after that. Yeah, but what I like that you said was in order to put this demand letter together, someone's going to have to, whether it's you yourself or you're an attorney, somebody has to quote the law. So in a way, by putting together something like this, you're educating yourself in the law and finding the parameters of what, do you have an argument here? Can you say how your situation's, you know, the law has been breached by what's going on with you? So it's an opportunity. Yeah, it, it is an opportunity. And I think beyond that too, if the demand letter doesn't fail, it's your sketched out outline for your pleadings, like what you have to do when you file at court. So that's also a really great, thing to remember is that it's not a lost effort you you can use it to build on love it and you have love to it okay now tell us what is perfect evidence yeah well i don't know if there is such a thing as perfect evidence but it's it it's something that has come up with many of my clients when we are in court where they say you know why can't the judge just hear this or why can't why aren't you telling the judge a b and c like it's clear that this happened um i've told the judge and the judge is saying that they can't listen to it it's because we have such strict rules of evidence what is admissible in court what is not the reason that exists is to um protect everybody really even though it's frustrating it protects everybody from evidence being you know retrieved uh, for example, the one that we always hear on TV is hearsay, which is a really common one. Hearsay is basically where somebody else told me about something, but I didn't actually see it myself. And sometimes it can, it can be admitted. Uh, I know in Canada, there are many exceptions to the rule of hearsay, and I'm sure the same is in the States. Um, but what is important for you to remember is that that is sometimes why, and it is the hardest battle when we go through court, um, is trying to get things admitted. So, I mean, the only advice I can really give, it's really complicated, uh, but look it up, like look up the rules of evidence wherever you are. Um, again, look to the law, look to case law, because case law, um, cases and judges are constantly grappling with the rules of evidence and what is admissible and what isn't. And so recent cases in your jurisdiction will show you uh, and, and if you can find the right case, sometimes with a really good judge that writes out really beautiful decisions, it actually takes you through step by step. Like, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to introduce it. 
this is where it won't apply. And the more you can equip yourself with that knowledge, I think the better, because then you can, it, you know, present something. But I just, I think it's an important thing to remember when we're going through the court process that it is a limitation um, because sometimes people just get so worked up. Why can't I just tell them this? And sometimes you do Yeah, again, super, super helpful. We um, often see people talking about videos. I took a video. I have all this video of what this person did to me. And, um, and I've interviewed Canadian attorneys and American attorneys who say judges generally don't like video evidence for certain things because they don't know it's out of context. So it's hard. And now with all this, fake videos and who knows what people can do. It, it makes things very tricky. Um, but the rules of evidence are very important. I'm sure you can, it's countless amounts of time people have said, my evidence was perfect, my facts are perfect, and the judge wouldn't listen, and now the system's so corrupt. But it's not necessarily that, it's that you're not following the law, you're not following the rules. Um, and in terms of hearsay, I know I made my own mistake um, in the past, which which wasn't a costly mistake, but I thought that a letter from a therapist or a letter from a doctor would count as evidence. And the judge said, no, we're not going to look at that. But I later learned that anybody could make up a letter. So that person has to be there to testify mm -hmm. live. And so we often will tell our clients when they're like, ah, my kid's therapist is going to write a letter. And I'm like, don't, don't count on that going through. Good point. Exactly. The court much prefers, if they can, to have a witness. Because with a witness, first of all, they give their own fresh evidence on the day, but also the other side has a chance to cross-examine, which is testing the evidence um, and testing the truth of the evidence. And that's a really important part of law. Um, but I also just wanted to pick up on something else you said, which is that, like, as as much as it's true that you know probably in most cases we are just missing something about the rules of evidence sometimes it could be that the judge is making a mistake or the other side has a really good lawyer and has made you feel like thrown off your feet and so you've just i don't know whatever it is but like in that case if you really think no i I'm pretty sure that I should have had that admitted. Consult a lawyer because maybe you have a right to appeal. Like you don't have to accept everything that is said and cases get appealed all the time, all the time. That is how law is made and evolves. So just yeah. remember that that's something. Definitely. Okay. Easier. There's a question here, which I think I know the answer. I'll let you, you answer. What about recorded phone calls with the children? Mm. Okay. Well, in the family court context, I can't, say for sure because I don't I, again I'm not a family lawyer myself I'm a human rights lawyer but here's the here's the interesting thing I'm I'm not allowed as a lawyer to tell a client to record a conversation but what I will tell you is that even today uh, I had a, a case where I, I sent a demand letter on behalf of a client who's being discriminated against in her workplace and she was ultimately fired because of her disability, we say. So I laid that all out in a letter and the letter came back from their lawyer saying that never happened, she never told us, she never asked for help. Well, my client recorded uh, meetings where it's actually very clear. She tells them what kind of disability she has. She doesn't have to, but she did. She told them, uh, you know, a number of things about that disability and her limitations. She asked for specific help and laid out what she needed. And because of that, we're actually getting a much bigger settlement. Um, so I'll put that there. I can't tell you what to do, but um, 
sometimes, you know, he said, she said kind of uh, problems, which often come up in any kind of uh, narcissistic situation or, or violent or abusive situation. Um, sometimes it's good to have right. extra evidence if you can get it admitted. And, and sometimes you can get to court. Like sometimes, like in this case, it's just a demand letter. We haven't even started litigating. But because we have such a strong case, they're more Actually, motivated. So, so it's leverage. Yeah. Okay. Next, what is case law on Fridays? You had talked about storytelling. Oh, it's something that I do on my TikTok. So it's it's I facts on Fridays, I call it. Um, but it's yeah, it's definitely the most popular thing on my TikTok. It's I just review relevant case law. Right now, I'm focusing on Canada, but if um, I mean, there's a there's a whole doozy of cases that are coming out of the states right now that I should probably focus on too. But um, anything to do with your rights, uh, and that could be in any context. Like I've done a few criminal ones that went to the Supreme Court, and uh, people just are really interested. I think it's well. First of all, I give you the facts of the case, so it, it is storytelling. It's, it's hearing about uh, the story of a case uh, and what happened. Um, it brings the law to life and it tells you what judges are thinking about when they make law. And, and I don't think people connect that, that like, oh, the courts are all over here doing stuff. Like they're making law just like the government is making law and they're interpreting it and they're evolving it sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's important and it's really helpful to, to review. Yeah. That. As so you're saying that, that I'm everybody. thinking things have changed in the world. I know there was a, a flurry of cases about COVID and vaccinations that was pretty interesting. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Same here in Canada. Yeah. Lots, lots to do with that. And I did one recently on uh, uh, driving while under the influence and whether you can be uh, stopped on private property to um, be tested. Um, and, and it was a really interesting analysis because Technically, the court said no, but they allowed the evidence anyway, because he was so intoxicated that they felt it was in the public interest. So that's also an interesting concept of evidence where there, there's actually a test in Canada that has been established by a previous Supreme Court case that talks about even though uh, somebody's rights were breached clearly by getting this evidence, it's so important for the public that we're going to allow it anyway. And so he was convicted. Wow. Okay. So, you know, we're doing this on my Instagram and your TikTok. So for any Instagram people who either are watching now or who will see it later, why don't you say how they can find you on, I'll ask you again later, but how they can find you on TikTok to hear this incredible storytelling, which is fascinating. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, you can find me on, on Instagram and TikTok at the exact same handle, which is okay. at empathy lawyer, all right um so yeah. what we, we also talked about so we just were talking about how judges interpret the law and um how important is credibility and i'll say corruption because people always will want to say that's corrupt if they didn't things didn't go my way mm. well yeah i mean i think credibility is everything and judges have the right to assess somebody's credibility based on how they present um, and so I think it is really important uh, and and also I recognize incredibly challenging to remove emotion from something that is incredibly emotional and personal for somebody that's like going through, especially a family court matter. I can't think of anything more personal. Um, 
but remove it. <laughs> Pretend you're somebody different when you're in front of the judge, when you're answering questions. Keep things short and sweet and simple and to the point. Do not be argumentative because all of that works against you. It really does. And, and you, you read some case law because you'll see when judges are talking about um, the case and how they're weighing up this and that because they have to go through their whole process. They always talk about, well, she presented uh, clearly and seriously, so I take her as credible. Or the opposite. The, the, uh, the complainant was incredibly argumentative and, you know, I, I don't believe her evidence. Um, those are things that the judge or the decision maker has the authority to make. And, and unfortunately, I mean, to some extent, they are based on their own internal biases and, and, and you know, how they're interpreting uh, what you're doing and what you're saying. Um, I think the other thing to note is that, I mean, often if you're traumatized, sometimes you know, we all display pain differently or symptoms of trauma differently. Sometimes uh, we laugh when we're really nervous, but that might come across as you're not even taking this seriously. This, this is no big deal for you. If that's something that you do, say it at the beginning. I'm really nervous. And when I'm nervous, when I'm nervous I laugh, but I, I just want to say at the outset that I'm, I'm feeling horrible about this and I'm feeling really upset. Like, you know, try and be a bit vulnerable and, and put things out at the beginning that will help you to so, appear this more is so helpful. I mean, um, part of what we do with our clients is working on presentation. You know, we're not attorneys. We're high-conflict divorce coaches. But we talk about how, um, again, just like what you said, you have to take as much emotion out as possible because the court's not an emotional place. So the goal is to be as calm as possible. And the way to do that is to be really focused and organized. And we, of, we often talk about we want the people that you're dealing with to like you so that they believe you. And if you're hysterical, it kind of corrupts your own facts and evidence because people don't want to pay attention to somebody that's hysterical or drunk or crying because it just, you know, people just stop listening. So it's, it's so important to be as level as possible. But of course, like you just said, family court is extremely emotional. Our clients are worried for the safety of themselves and their children and their future. And so it's, it's very, very hard and it takes a lot of practice and we do a lot of role playing and uh, preparation. Which is great. And I think on that note, too, is that if you are going to be cross-examined, um, you know, unfortunately, what a, a common tactic of a lawyer when they're cross-examining somebody is to go after your, you know, virtue as a person. You're lying. I don't believe you. You're making all this up, aren't you? And if you hear that enough and you're involved in such a deep way, it's very easy to get angry that's what they want you to do. They want you to lose your train of thought and to start lashing out. No, you have it wrong, you know, which is very easy and tempting to do. But again, nope, I'm just going to stay cool and calm and be angry. Yeah, exactly. And, the best and we, we work with our people all the time saying opposing counsel is going to be a bully. So we already know this is going to happen. You, they're going to call you an unfit parent, a liar, a drug addict, and that you're mentally ill. So let's just plan for that. How are we going to respond yeah. to that? And then practice, practice, yeah. practice. Yeah. But, but people often are so scared because they're like, what if they say this? It's like, they're going to say that. They're going to. But let's just plan for it. Yeah. Yeah, that helps. I, I mean, I think that gives you the power. Right, control, right. And so, right, to get it, so many people get blindsided. And they're like, I can't believe it. And they were saying all these things and I was crying. And it's like, you need to know what to expect before going in. And it's going to be, it's going to be awful. 
but you can get through it. Like when you know what to expect, it makes things easier because you say, I knew this was coming. This is what I'm going to do. I already figured out how I'm going to deal with this and get through it. And then it's going to be over and I'm going to be okay. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. My favorite quote, which is Michelle Obama, uh, where she says, yeah. uh, when they go low, we go high. I think that's a, for pretty much every part of my life. But it applies here where like you go, you, you know what, they're going to go low. They're going to be little stinkers. But you just go high and you leave there with your head up, held high because you did the right thing. Right. We always say like the truth is the truth. Like they can do whatever they want to tear you down and deflect from the actual issues or, or what's happening. But the facts are the facts. And sometimes it takes a while to come out. And sometimes you feel like you've been gut punched, but you go back again and you keep going back and the truth will come out. Just can be expensive too sometimes. But okay. Um, All right. Let's talk about procedure. How important is procedure? Yeah, incredibly important. Um, The courts love rules and they have lots of them. They have lots of little rules. And it's actually one of the ways that judges, Uh, independence is preserved. So uh, judges, like the head judge of each court, has the authority to set rules and procedures for that court. Um, And so the rules are everything to do from, you know, what forms to file, timelines. Timelines are so important. You miss a timeline and you are out of luck. It is it is very near impossible to go beyond a timeline and say, well, I made this error. I just forgot. I mean, you would have to have a really severe illness that you would have to prove with medical information um, to establish that it, it was reasonable that you missed the timeline because they're, they're just, they're gold. So, so make sure at the very outset that you note how much time I have until I file whatever it is, how much time I have to reply, how much time they have to respond, how much time I have to, you know, submit my evidence Um, You know, usually you have to submit legal documents in advance of of the court proceeding. They will tell you those timelines. If they don't tell you to your face, then what you do is you look up the rules of procedure for whatever court you're going to, and you will be able to read everything there. The other thing, at least in Canada, what we call it, I'm sure the states have something equivalent, but every once in a while, the head judge of a court will issue what's called a practice direction. And that basically is like a guidance for lawyers and, you know, self-represented litigants as well, that um, shows you, okay, we've actually changed one of the rules, and this is how we're doing it now. So just make sure that when you're filing, you do A, B, and C. Um, And especially around when COVID hit, a lot of things switched to virtual filing, uh, virtual serving. So just being able to email somebody and saying that service, instead of having to like, serve them with a career um so just make sure you take yeah. those it's incredible um, and important. when we talked about well you talked I, I can't remember what word what word you used but um we often use the word limited scope attorneys and we will say even if you're pro se it might be important to consider hiring a limited scope attorney just to make sure you po- follow procedure properly because you are not an attorney and if you mess up on procedure you could lose the whole thing good point yeah, or I don't, do you, you yeah. guys have paralegals as well in the state? Yeah, so I mean, that's also an option. They're cheaper uh, and they know procedures, especially at the lower courts. A lot of paralegals are, are involved. So yeah. that might be a cheaper okay. way. Okay, um, let's talk about pro se, self-represented litigants. We have a number of clients who are pro se. Um, most of them have lawyers, but still as a pro se myself, I can't wait to hear your tips on being pro se or pro per or self-represented litigant? 
Yeah. Um, Yeah, what are my tips? I mean, a lot of what I've said today, (laughs) absolutely. I mean, I do think... um, the the idea of a limited scope attorney is a great idea like i do have some clients who even um yeah i guess you call it limited scope they just pay me an hourly rate but what they'll do is they'll draft everything themselves so they'll write out their entire pleading and then they'll say nicole i want you to spend no more than three hours reviewing this and giving me edits um and so that's what i do i I review it i do comments and edits and make suggestions about you know maybe you want to focus more on this this isn't relevant uh and then they take it and they fly with it and you know later on in the process they may come back to me and say okay now i have to do this can you look at it that way so i think that's also a good creative way of of using lawyers when you don't have the money to have them represent you the whole way through um the other like incredible tool at everybody's disposal is ChatGPT. Um, it is just remarkable. So one of like here's a few ideas as a self-represented person pro se, um, write out what you think you're going to write. Um, don't rely on it for legal research because it's not always accurate. I've tried, I've tested it. It's it, it doesn't always get things right with cases. Um, and if you do get case law from it always look up the case itself and make sure a you can find it it is a real case and b that it says what it says so don't rely on it for that but what it's great for is helping you with your writing so what you could do is you could write out everything and then you could say to chat gpt hi you are a lawyer in a family court matter um here here's the context of the family court matter be as specific as you can uh the other guy's a narcissist i'm dealing with this i don't i you know i don't want to come across as this i want you to write it professional um therefore i want you to take this following text and i want you to write it in the form of a legal document and it's incredible what it outputs wow i've never heard Uh, that yeah amazing that is amazing i've never tried it (laughs) oh please Try it, try it. It's incredible. It's such a good tool. Like, and again, don't rely on it as like legal advice or even research because it doesn't do all of that. And it's, I think it's only, it's only trained up until 2021. So it doesn't have like current law, which is really important, but just for helping you present your ideas and, and, and flow. Wow. It's really fascinating. Okay. Any other last tips for pro se or anything else? I see we're getting questions about Kira's law. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Uh, and they're like, how, how long will that? it take for judges to be educated on Kira's law? I, I already know the answer to that one, but I'm guessing. But I don't know if you have a comment on that. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I mean, I can talk about judges' education, which is, um, yeah, it, 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 it's complicated, right? Because right. judges, again, are independent. Uh, and so because of that, we can't, like, throw things at them. But they do get training. Um, and really, it's up to the government to decide what training is mandatory for them. And usually that's in the form of legislation that's passed. Um, yeah. But- <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, who knows, right? <laughs> who can say? The best, way, the best way to make sure a judge is educated is to go in there and educate them. Judges don't know everything. And they're the first ones to admit that. Like, how are they supposed to know every law? that ever existed, no one does. Um, But what they're looking for from lawyers or, you know, self-represented litigants is um, a guidance from A to Z or Z as you say, um, of the entire law from beginning to end. Here's what the law is, here's the, the test that you have to apply, and now I'm applying it to my case. And so therefore, 
I'm successful, right? So you have to you have to give them a map that they can follow. And that's so important. I mean, I guess the only other thing I would say is what's called point first writing, which the law like really, really, really needs from you, which is at the very beginning of your paragraph, you're writing what your point is, and then you support it with the rest of your paragraph. I think normally we're trained to do it the other way. We, we write a bunch of stuff and then we say, therefore, blah, 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 at the very end of our paragraph, flip it. And a good way to do it is after you've done writing, I mean, use chat GPT, that might help. You could say, write this in point first writing. I haven't tried that yet. <laughs> so try that. But the other thing is print it out. Print out your whole document once you think you're done. And then look at every paragraph and beside the paragraph, write what you think the point is. Like, what was the point of this paragraph? Some you might not need and you can get rid of them. Um, but for the ones where you're like, this was the point, make sure that's in the first sentence. Because if it's not, you should flip it. Um, and that's what judges are looking for. It's, it's much easier to read and then they'll be following. So I don't think I told you this, Nicole, but I used to be a high school English teacher and I taught writing. That's my specialty. And I am a writer um, by, by nature and trade anyway. But everything you're describing is is about writing and communication and paragraphs. Have a topic sentence. Make sure every paragraph matters. We talk about teaching the hamburger essay, the five paragraph essay, intro conclusion, three main points. Each one is the meat, the bun and the meat. So everything has to fit into why you're presenting whatever it is that you're presenting. Everything has to flow smoothly. So this is very hard. I just, I mean, I know you're giving, these are great tips, but Often people need assistance from professionals to really go through. It helps to have another set of eyes, um, someone who's a writer or a teacher or a high conflict divorce coach or a lawyer, check it because it's very hard to be neutral. Everything that I write, I read out loud. I go over it, over and over it. I get an audience, you know, like my partner or my dad or somebody to read it to hear how it sounds. So this is, this is very yeah. difficult. Again, like excellent advice, but people watching, listening know that, it's always helpful to have other support um, to go to go through this stuff because this is not easy. Not in the slightest. And like I should say, even as a lawyer, like I take writing courses because it is it is it's hard for us lawyers, it's hard for judges who mm -hmm. they take decision writing courses. Like we're all learning and we're trying to better ourselves. But yeah, the the people that are doing it day in day out, of course, know a little bit more about the style and the the important things that you need to remember when you're when you're documenting things. So I agree. Like, if even if you can't afford somebody for the whole thing, pick your like really important places and points where you need to maybe consult with a lawyer just to get some advice, and then yeah, you know, yeah. you'll keep costs down that Super way. Super helpful. Okay, so um, any other last things you want to say? And if if not, then again. Tell us how people can find you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I think this has been a really wonderful conversation. I think you know. I recognize that the law is full of barriers, and it's really, really hard to navigate, especially when you don't have representation. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I will give a shameless plug. Follow me because I do. That's what I try and do. I try and break down you know, the different steps, obviously more from a human rights and employment context, but about like, you know, this is how you present something or this is how you file an applica application with the human rights tribunal. And I think a lot of that stuff would be applicable because it's the stuff we're talking about, like point first writing and taking the emotion out and all of that. So anyway, you can find me at empathy lawyer, all one word, both on Insta. Um, I could use the Insta followers because I, 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 don't, I don't try as hard on here. I should. So <laughs> yeah. I well, thank you so much, Nicole, for all of this amazing information. This is so helpful. I've learned a lot. So uh, and I'm going to try like Thanks. chat GBT. Oh my gosh. I'll have to dabble yeah. in that.
Amazing. All right. So I'm sure we'll be back together again, but thanks everybody. And uh, again, thanks to Cole and follow her at Empathy Lawyer on TikTok and Instagram. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the Been There Got Out podcast. Please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And you can find us easily on all major social media, but especially Instagram and YouTube. If you think we might be able to help you with your own situation, just visit beenthergotout.com and click the button to schedule a complimentary discovery call. Thanks again, and see you next time.